But where we're at right now is we are, we are in the middle of a series going through Matthew 5, uh, looking at how we need to be if we're going to be salt and light to our community. And uh, so we're, we're really studying through chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, what's often called, or not often, it is known as the Beatitudes that Jesus talked about. So we're going to study the Bible today, particularly look at Matthew 5 verse 7 about being merciful, which is a great topic. I don't know what I did to... No, 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 true. But we're going to look at the Word of God because I just want to start. 2 Timothy 3.16, it's a great scripture and it tells us, I didn't tell you guys this one, don't worry, I'll read it out. That all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize, here we are, what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now I'm, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and assume that there's no one perfect here today. No? Close enough? I think it's a great thing. I've had a, I've had a talk with somebody before who, um, who has assumed that, that as followers of Christ, we believe that we are perfect. And I said, no, 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 no. It's the absolute opposite. As followers of Christ, we are people who have put our hand up and say, we are far from perfect. We need a Savior. We need Jesus in our lives. And, and why we study the Bible, why we take time, during a Sunday service and of course at times through the week as well, is, is for this very reason. Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives, corrects us when we are wrong, but teaches us to do what is right. And that is why we are studying the Beatitudes at the moment in Matthew 5, because we as a church, we want to know how can we go and be salt and light? How do we need to be? What is wrong with our lives that we can be taught from the scriptures on how to live a life that is as close to being perfect as we can humanly get ourselves there. So we're going to have a look at Matthew 5 verse 7, which in the translation we've been looking through, the message translation, it says, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. And I, I, I loved actually looking through, there's a, there's a website I, I like to go to called biblehub.com and you can type in, a, in a, a verse and it lists like all the popular translations and you can see the different words and the different meanings. And, and for this one, I found myself really drawn to the King James Version. Thou led me there. And uh, it, it, it has just a, a greater... A greater interpretation or translation rather that says blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy the whole reason why we're exploring these passages these beatitudes is because they precede the the teaching of Jesus for us to be salt and light it's basically the teaching of how to be salt and light in our worlds in our families in our workplaces in every step that we take through the day and and here we can see for us to receive mercy we need to be merciful people it's kind of a bit circular a little bit difficult to i don't know may, maybe maybe you've had more coffee than me 
this morning and your brain's a little bit sharper. But these words, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. So to obtain mercy, we first need to be merciful. But to be merciful, we have to have obtained mercy. I don't know. We'll get there. It's a good thought. I think it's kind of like a cash-in system where like you give a little bit of mercy and you can obtain or withdraw a little bit of mercy. Or if you're a, if you're a gamer, maybe it's like unlocking an achievement in a game where you show a little bit of mercy and you get a badge for a little bit more mercy in your life that gets you to the next level. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it means to obtain mercy in our life. But I just want to grab that thought, shelve it, come back to it. Uh, Mercy means compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. I just think, how can we ever strive to be salt and light in the world if we don't have mercy, if we don't have love, if we don't have a measure of forgiveness for other people? Like, isn't that kind of like the fundamental basis of being salt and light is love, forgiveness, mercy? Really, in- interestingly, on Friday, I, um, I snuck to a cafe for a pre-work coffee. Still got to work on time. My boss is here. And, uh, and, and I was having a coffee and, and going over my notes and, and, you know, reading different passages and scriptures and just headphones in, just having some time with God going over this. And, and, uh, and I, I walked out to the back lane to, to get to my car. And, you know, somebody had parked me in. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking like kind of sort of parked me in, but like so close that I couldn't even see between their rear bumper and my front bumper to see if they had actually hit me. Like it was less than an inch and I, I, was, I was ropeable. Here I am, I'm going to have to do a, a 37 point turn just to get my car out. And the thing is, I knew, I knew who it was because of the type of person and the type of car it was. And I thought, I'm going to go back into this cafe. I'm going to politely instruct them to come and move their car. So, and then it hit me. A minute earlier... I'm in enjoying a flat white coffee, reading the Word of God about love, mercy, forgiveness, studying so that I can preach about it today, spending time with God saying, Lord, help me to be better at salt and light and love people more. Seconds later, I am out there planning the earthly demise of some guy I've never met who probably doesn't even know that he's parked me in. I'll let him know next time, but one, one chance of mercy. But here I am. <laughs> I'll watch the video and listen to myself later. It'll be right. But here, here I am one minute before, one minute before, pleading with God, make me more able to love people, show more mercy, give more forgiveness. The next minute, absolutely failing. How on earth can we read a scripture 
like Matthew 5, 7 and about mercy and then expect to be able to live it in our life. I said to Steve earlier, I'm preaching on the impossible thing today. How do we live a life where we absolutely show mercy, love and forgiveness for people when we can switch like that? It's like our human nature absolutely sets us up to fail. One minute, being all spiritual and stuff, the next minute wondering where I can get a knife to slash tires. I didn't wonder. I knew where I could get one. So I want to have a look at, a, at an interaction today because like, like, like Timothy said, or Paul said to Timothy rather, that if we want to know how to do better in our life, we've got to study the Word of God. It's all here. It's the instruction book for how to live an abundant life that's full of salt and light to the world that we live in. So if we want to find the answer to how do we live out the impossible task of showing love, mercy and forgiveness to everybody that we encounter and park us in, even when we've only had one coffee, then we need to look to the Word of God to find the example and the teaching that Jesus has already laid out there for us to... uh, to find the answer to that. Stephen Furtick put a great quote on Instagram last night that I thought was highly relevant, but I've completely forgotten it. So I'm not going to worry about it. But it said something about why pray for what God's already told you to do. It was something like that. And it hit me about this. Why, why pray? You know, why sit in a cafe drinking a flat white? Lord, help me to be salt and light and love people more when he's already shown me in his word exactly how to do it. So here we are. We're going to have a look at Luke chapter 10 today and look at this interaction where Jesus had where he taught us exactly how we are to live our life in this area. And we're going to work our way through it and and see uh, see where he wants to take us this morning. We're going to start in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus by asking him the question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, Well, what what does the law of Moses say? How would you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said, Do this, and you will live. The man wanted to uh, justify his actions. Some translations say he wanted to find a loophole. Have you ever tried to find a loophole? Yeah? I remember like mum would say, clean your room, Adam. But technically, what is my room? (laughs) I mean, yesterday you you informed me that this is your house and you pay the bill. So is it really my room? (laughs) Sorry, mum. I have kids now. <laughs> so good. It all comes back. It all come. Just I had an extra one, so I get an extra measure. But, you know, a loophole. Technically, what is my room? Is it the part that you can see, Mum? Or can I shove everything in my cupboard like I used to do? Uh, anyway, back to being spiritual. Uh, the man wanted to justify his actions or find a loophole. So he asked Jesus, well, who technically is my neighbor. Jesus replied with a story. Got to love that. No direct answer. Just, I'll tell you a story. 
A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, a church pastor, a leader came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, a church volunteer, a church member walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and this is where the crowd would have went, ooh, because Jesus shouldn't have talked about a Samaritan, especially in the the context of a, a Jewish story. I mean, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. The Jewish people used to travel far and wide to get around Samaria and not even come in contact with any Samaritans. The fact that Jesus would have even put this into the story when they they don't even know yet what he's about to say about it would have caused some cultural issues that he was going to talk about this. But verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, which is another two days worth of expenses, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now remember, the, the, the lawyer said, who technically is my neighbor? Right? That was the question that Jesus answered. He gets to the end of his analogy and he says, now which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, not even able to admit that it was the Samaritan, said, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yeah, now go and do the same. Okay. I mean, we've already established that, uh, that, that I can't even handle someone parking me in in the morning, let alone being able to to treat somebody that culturally I despise like this. I mean, he's told a Jewish person to go and do exactly the same in caring for somebody that was not only their neighbor, but someone that they despised. And Jesus just says, yeah, that's it. Now go and do the same. End of story. Scene fades to black. I mean, how, how we've already established, it's impossible. Our human nature says that this is not possible for us to go and love, show mercy, and forgive people because we're just going to fail at it every single time. Did you come to church this morning hoping to get a lighthearted message? Hey, we're going to fail. It's who we are. We can't help it. We are going to struggle. But... uh. I and and this this is a, a story that I've I've heard before, and uh, 
I just love, like Luke was a, was a doctor. He was a smart man. And, and uh, when, he, when, he's, when he's, I mean, you don't have to be a doctor to be smart. There's plenty of smart people. But he, he's written this, this passage and recorded it. And uh, the next part goes into the story of when Jesus visits Mary and Martha. There's no change in chapter. There's no change in book. If it was a movie, it would have just faded to black and then next scene comes up and, and here we are. So Jesus says, yeah, go and do the same. Fade to black. We jump into verse 38 and it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, Martha. It almost works. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, this is confusing, right? Because a few verses earlier, Jesus has said, yeah, just go and do that. Go and care, go and get busy, go and look after people, go and mend wounds, go and make yourself busy and, and, and do all these things, get busy showing mercy, love, forgiveness, do it, do it, do it, get out there, go and do it. The very next story, right in the same chapter, he says, oh no, 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 don't worry about the dishes. Mary has discovered the one thing that is important here. sitting at my feet. Well, what do you want us to do, Jesus? Do you want us to go and get busy looking after people? Do you want us to go and pound the streets and look for people who need us? Do charitable works? Or do you want us to sit at your feet? Can you, can you make up your mind this morning of what we're meant to do? Help us out here. But it just, it just stumps me. It just stumps me. One tells us to be busy. One tells us to chill out. Now, I appreciate that my parents uh, dragged me to church every Sunday as a kid. And uh, I appreciate and love that my Sunday school teachers taught me these stories every week. And I love them for it. But, but maybe we got the context of these stories incorrect. Maybe we did. And you think about the, the story of the Good Samaritan. We, we have set ourselves the impossible task of living a continual and consistent life that shows love, mercy, and forgiveness. When I'm sure you, are all, you have all, I'm not the only guilty one here this morning, for making accusation and planning the demise of somebody who has parked incorrectly near you. That's, that's who we are. That's how it is. 
So I think, why, why would Jesus have set us a task? Yeah, go and do that. Knowing that we, we can't do it. We've got to have, got to give mercy to be able to get mercy. We've got to first have mercy before we can give mercy. We've got to live a life of continual love, mercy, and forgiveness. But then I think about the Samaritan and compare them to my life or your life in the context. I mean, here's somebody who was despised, hated, spat upon, avoided by the Jewish people. Somebody who cared for wounds, had compassion on somebody who absolutely hated them and did everything they could to destroy them, not just park their car in, but absolutely despised them. Took them to a a motel or an inn, went away for three days so that the total price could be paid for that person to be healed and whole. And I think that doesn't really sound like me. That sounds more like the person telling the story. It sounds more like Jesus Christ that was despised and spat upon and ultimately lost his life to the Jewish people. The only one that can show compassion when absolute hatred was given to him. The only person who went away for three days and returned with the ability to make someone healed and whole. The only person who can actually demonstrate 100% love, mercy and forgiveness without failure. I mean, let's be honest, he could have just and moved the car and driven out because he's Jesus. But still, I believe that the Good Samaritan is a representation of Jesus Christ. Because we are never, ever going to get to that point. We've got to have mercy to obtain mercy. To give mercy, we first have to have it. We jump back to the story of Mary and Martha. And here's Martha being busy in the kitchen, but here's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Verse 41 again, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, one thing, not dishes, not cooking, not making sure the place is right, not being busy. One thing worth being concerned about, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. How do we be merciful people? Well, I believe that it's written right here by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because only then can we obtain the mercy that we need to go and be merciful people. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Sit at Jesus' feet. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, I'm sorry, but your heart's desires are not a nice car, a big house, and a big boat. I mean, they might be, 
But the word here, the Hebrew word for give, can better be translated as transplanted. So it says, when we spend time with the Lord, when we delight in Him, when we sit at His feet, when we're not just busy, He will transplant His heart's desires into our own. So how do we obtain the measure of mercy that we need to show love, forgiveness and mercy and handle it when people park us in? We spend time with Jesus because as we sit at his feet, when we spend time just listening to him, studying his word, being in his presence, the desires of his heart are transplanted into our own. And no longer is it a young, annoying person driving a skyline out the back of suspension cafe in Islington. It's a person who desperately needs to know Jesus Christ. And as we spend time with him, obtaining mercy, obtaining the desires of his heart into our own, our heart will change. And it will no longer be an act of being busy showing love, of being in the kitchen doing the dishes, whinging because other people are not doing it. It'll be a how can we not? How can we walk past a person? The measure of faith, of, of, of mercy, of unlocking an achievement. Spending time with Jesus means maybe it's we then cook a, a meal for a neighbor who we know is not well. And we've spent time with Jesus. That desire has been transplanted into our heart. More mercy, love and forgiveness has been unlocked and given to us because we have demonstrated it. The next time we walk past someone in the street, we don't just flick them a few coins, but we grab them by the hand and take them out for lunch. We think we couldn't have done that before. We couldn't have. Because now you've been spending time with God, with the Lord, getting his desires and his love for people transplanted into yours. And now it's not an act to tick a box. Yes, I've shown mercy this week. It's a how can I not walk past this person and want to help them? And then there's enough mercy unlocked that you walk the streets with street safe or you jump on a plane and go to another country and help people there who need to know the love, mercy and forgiveness that God offers them. We just won't walk past someone in the street without our heart breaking if we have spent time with the Lord having his desires transplanted. We won't see a hurting person without our heart jumping into action because each time We're with the Lord. We unlock another level of mercy, love and forgiveness that kicks us up a gear. In five years' time, we'll look back and think, how did I ever not? When it all comes back to taking delight in the Lord, spending time with Him, getting the desires of His heart into ours. We might get the the band to come up. I don't know if Beck's back from Kids Church. Someone might need to grab her for me. But I, I want to, we're going to have some, an atmosphere of expectant worship in the moment. But as I was driving here this morning, I, I remembered this story from, um, or not a story, something when I was young. And I remember my dad bought a, had a bike, a, a push bike, and he used to ride to work and back. And, and in winter, uh, it would get dark early and, 
and he got this light. Some of you might remember that, and it clipped onto the back of your tire. And as you pedaled, it generated electricity, and the light would light up. Yeah? Anyone? All right, I'm in that category. (laughs) Yeah, no, not riding a bike. I bought a bike about seven years ago, and I've ridden it a couple of times. Um, but, but yeah, so you had this bike and it clipped on, uh, this light clipped on the back of your tire. And if you wanted it to shine bright, you had to pedal fast. And when you're going up a hill and it's slowing down and you're getting slower and slower, you got to keep pedaling or your light's going to go off. Now, when I bought my bike seven years ago and rode it once or twice, maybe three times, um, I got this light that plugs in and you charge it. That's a great idea. And you clip it on the back of your bike, and, and if I ever was so inclined to ride it at nighttime, uh, or ride it, uh, I'd have this light on the back that would shine. And I think about this, this story. I think about what we've looked at today, about Mary and Martha and out there being busy, showing love, mercy, and forgiveness, just doing it tough. It's kind of like this 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 gadget thingamajig that went on the back of dad's bike because you had to pedal really really fast and hard to try and keep your light up when you were going up a hill it would start to fade you have to pedal faster but not only that because this thing kind of locked onto your tire it actually made it harder for you to spin the tire you had to work really really hard to get your light to shine It's making sense? Being busy, doing things, working hard. Yelling at Mary's for just spending time with Jesus. But spending time with Jesus is like my fancy LED light that I've got in a safe safe space in the garage. Um, I don't know where. You you charge it up. I wouldn't even be able to find the charger anyway. Um, You charge it up. And you go out on your bike and it shines bright. You go through a time of having to push your way up a hill and it still shines bright. You go flying down a hill, it's still shining just as bright. You stop on the side of the road for a rest and it's still going to shine bright until the time that the battery runs out. Until the time that it starts to get a little bit dark and your light isn't shining. And what do you have to do? You have to go sit at the feet of the charger and recharge your light so that you can go and be salt and light. So you can get the measure of love, mercy and forgiveness that you need. You can get the desires of the Lord's heart transplanted into yours so you can't help but shine your light. It's not about how hard you're working. And I mean, those things are good. We still got to do street safe. We still got to feed the hungry. We still got to help the poor and the needy. We got to help the rich and the needy. We still got to do those things. But why push and fight and pedal to try and shine our light on our own when we can just plug in and enjoy the bright LED light that gives us so much ease? How do we be salt and light? 
How do we be everything that the Beatitudes tells us to be when our human nature says, don't even try? You're going to fail? When we plug in to the charger, when we sit at the feet of Jesus, when we understand the one thing that is important that no one can take away from us, delighting in the Lord, spending time with Him. We have to do a church. We have to be the church. We have to be salt and light. We have to be charged up. We have to do all the things that we do, but we have to delight in the Lord and obtain that measure of mercy, love, faith, forgiveness, everything. So that as we walk from this place, your workplaces, schools, community groups, families, your streets, that your heart breaks, not because of your human failure, but because your heart is the heart of the Lord's for the people that you walk past.